This is a relay project. The discourse starts right now with Cheryl Oates and Erica Baroudis. Welcome back to The Discourse. Today, we dig into the NDP leadership race. So far, three candidates have stepped forward. We compare their campaign strategies and look at their electoral chances and what former Calgary Mayor Nahed Nenshi's potential candidacy could mean for the campaign. So Kathleen Ganley was the first uh, to announce her leadership bid. She'll be joining us later today. But first, kind of let's take a look at the overall race thus far. So let's continue to be the global energy leaders we've always been, while also leading on climate action. Let's ensure we are a place where having a home is always within your reach, no matter the size of your paycheck. Let's make sure every Albertan has a family doctor. Let's prepare our kids to be the best educated generation in the country. Let's focus on what unites us instead of the things that divide us. Let's be a province where opportunity is endless for all of us and all our children, because that's who we are. This is Alberta. My name is Racky Pancholi, and I'm running to be the leader of Alberta's NDP and the next premier of this great province. That was a clip from Racky Pancholi, who was the second person to officially announce that she was entering the campaign. And I have to say, a beautifully produced video with lots of really memorable scenes and sights from across the province. Yeah, she definitely had that well produced um, and hit all of the, you know, huge icons. It did really remind me and the way she's running her campaign is very like Pierre Polyev, where she's not really talking about the NDP. Sure, she'd love that. (laughs) Well, I'm sure the other ones I compare them to, uh, I'm sure they'll all be thrilled uh, on both sides. But, you know, she's coming in really talking about kind of big ideas, things that matter to people, her hardship. Um, of her upbringing and how like her, the hard work and perseverance that she had and saw through her parents is very similar to what Pierre always um, mentions in his speeches. And again, then comes into, you know, being very, you know, approachable and just the tactics of the common language. I've, I found that there was a lot of similarities. I'm just waiting for her to start doing walking videos <laughs> and saying common sense. We welcome them. Yeah. <laughs> I think, too, like that message of saying like this Alberta is an Alberta for everyone and this party is a party for everyone also separates herself a little bit from other candidates, because certainly there are a lot of people in Alberta who over the last decade and even in the last election felt a little bit politically homeless or couldn't make their mind up about which party to move to. And Racky's basically saying like open arms, especially those demographics that are growing rapidly in Alberta, where people come from outside of Canada. This, there's a place for you here. If I did it, you can do it. We can all do it together. I think that's a really positive message, not just for the NDP, but a positive message for Alberta as a province. As I continue to guess who you're going to vote for, not saying it out loud, but um, I'm just going to let you know that I'm like seeing all these little cues uh, as we talk about all these candidates. <laughs> she and I know, um, you know, we've seen this too from from Ganley. We've talked about this on on other episodes of who's kind of that those two centrists and those two definitely to me um, and Racky. I know with some of her uh, larger policy announcements and how she's kind of been playing is really I think trying to grasp that that center or the Alberta Party as well as I think that's where Kathleen Ganley is playing. How do you think that that is going to work or work against um, maybe Racky in this case? 
And how are you going to see that, like what it means for where the NDP actually heads? First of all, keep track of whatever tells I have to offer, because I honestly haven't made my mind up about who I'm voting for in this uh, leadership. And I I do want to watch really closely. But I think like it's a really it's a careful line that they're walking in their centrist campaigns. Um, I will say, having said all those nice things about Rocky's video, I think it was a mistake to come out on day one and say that you stand against policies that the the NDP implemented as government. That's not to say that there isn't a real conversation to be had about whether the carbon tax is still an effective policy, but to come out and basically come out as the candidate that is relitigating the past of the NDP, you look like you're fighting, we're fighting with ourselves rather than trying to put up an offer that should be sharp contrasted with the UCP. Who is best to hold their offer, their vision of Alberta up to the current governing party um, rather than the NDP of the past? And for me, that was a little bit disappointing. I think that's a, a real conversation to be had. And I know she got lots of people talking on the day she launched her campaign. I just think it would be disappointing if this is what dominates the conversation around the campaign rather than how do we win in 2027? Yeah, I mean, I think that there is a balance of how do you get new members? And like I said, I can see the strategy of trying to grasp some of those quote unquote Albertans that don't really have a, a home with a political party currently. However, there is that balance and and it's going to be interesting how her next few policies come out. And then we had uh, Sarah Hoffman announce most recently, so the third candidate to enter the race, that she will be running to be leader of the party. I don't think in this case, this was unexpected either. I think for a long time, Sarah has been seen by some people as the next leader in waiting. And she certainly launched her campaign in a far more traditionally NDP way than any of the other candidates. This leadership contest is about who we are as New Democrats, and we're going to have some differences of opinion, and that is healthy. But I'm not running to be a leader of some kind of repackaged Liberal Party. (laughs) That's just not who I am. I am and will always be a proud Alberta New Democrat. That's the party I knocked on doors for in every corner of this party. It's the party I've raised money for. It's the party that I've recruited so many candidates to run for. And it's the Alberta NDP that came so close to winning last year's election. It's the Alberta NDP that will win the next election. So I pledge to you, I will show up in person to work with you to help us build our party in Edmonton, in Calgary, in communities large and small right across this province. All right. Well, I would say the clip that we picked was the most energetic portion of that 30 minute snoreboard of a rally. Um, I will give her credit for wow. this. Day. Yeah. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I struggled to get through it. It was really hard. Like, uh, I will say I loved her zing. It definitely threw a punch at some of the other competitors that you know we've talked about that maybe aren't as NDP um, pure as as Sarah Hoffman's leading. But I swear I should have made it a drinking game while watching this because if I would have taken a drink for every time she name dropped Rachel Notley, I would have had a nice buzz on and probably got through it a little bit better. Rachel is very, very, very popular among those who will be voting for the next leader. So to lean on her coattails a little bit probably isn't a bad strategy. Um, I will say watching Sarah's speech I think this will resonate with a lot of New Democrats in Alberta, especially those who um, are against the idea that because we came up short in the 2023 campaign, we could should completely transform ourselves or rebrand ourselves or find a new way forward. The NDP has been making progress in Alberta steadily. And I will say 
as you know, someone who worked in the campaigns quite impressively over the last decade. And the last campaign was super close. And we had to have been doing a ton of things right to get that far. So Sarah Hoffman's really picking up on that and saying, we've already already done a ton of things right. I don't want to change. I don't want to rebrand. I don't want to give up on our values. I want to move this party forward as it is because I'm proud of it. And I think there will be a lot of people who that makes them really excited. Yeah, definitely different part of the the base or different part of the party than what we've seen in the other two candidates so far. Um, I will say, though, I think there's that she seems to be the the franchise's favorite or, you know, the, the Rachel Notley pick. And I know you've said she's not picking anyone, but it, it seems that way. And so when she starts saying stuff about Rachel Notley this and Rachel Notley that, how is she going to separate? And I'm going to compare this. I've picked who is who, just so you know, for all the candidates of like the conservative counterpart. She is the Travis Taves of this election to me. And I say <laughs> that because, you know, she's kind of that stalwart within the party. Um, she announced right away when she hit her threshold and was like, yay, we raised money. Even though like for the last six months, I've been asking for people for like checks and commitments. And Travis did that as well. So I definitely think she's like the institutional pick that, you know, might fall a little bit short on on exciting and motivating people. So that's something I'm definitely going to be watching on how she navigates that. Truthfully, I don't think there's an institutional pick. And I stand by what I said that I don't think Rachel will endorse anybody. Um, I'm not surprised that that's the perception. Sarah has been around a long time. She was the deputy premier. She was the health minister. She served on a school board. She was an NDP staffer. Like the idea that she has deep roots in the NDP and she's seen as uh, a leader in waiting for a number of years. I'm not surprised by that at all. I don't think that makes her a shoe in. I don't think that, you know, disqualifies anybody else. I think She's still going to have to work really, really hard if she wants to be successful here. Um, But the fact that she's seen as a front runner or that she's seen as having a little bit of a jump start, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. And I will, you know, I I think I was uh, definitely sharing my opinion when I started out. I did think strategically what she did well and that I haven't seen. And and I mean, you don't necessarily see it in a, a two minute pickup video, but she talked about her record and she talked a lot about her record as, um, within health and especially around women's health. And she even has her clear three pillars of uh, health, housing, and climate. How do you think she's going to bode with with any type of like the fiscal policies that need to be in place to be premier? Like I see this as like a lot of throwing money at a problem and not true measurements. Um, Love cannot wait for her to come on the show so I can ask her that. But how do you see she's going to actually be able to put forward a thoughtful fiscal framework? In terms of her podium art, her three things that she was focused on, not what I would have chosen because although of course we all know that leadership candidates, you know, are speaking to a membership when they run for a leader and, and they're their positioning changes usually when we get to a general election. I just don't think that for people right now, whether you're a new Democrat or not, that when you think of the top three things you want the government to fix, I think affordability is up there at the top. I think healthcare is up there at the top. I'm not sure that number one right now is climate. And I, I that's not to say that we shouldn't talk about it, but to make it the piece that you're running on, um, I think it's I think it's tougher to have those conversations around the kitchen table. Not that they are not extremely important, um, but I think it does. Uh, you're right. It does sort of miss. She has sort of missed the focus on economy. And, you know, maybe it's calculated. Maybe she maybe she her calculation is that this isn't what the NDP needs to hear. The NDP needs to hear that their next leader will be absolutely committed to climate because we haven't been talking about it enough. 
Speaking of calculated, um, former mayor Nahed Nenshi and like, is it a calculated move to hold <laughs> off and not announce? Is this just like, I want to feel good by having people court me? He, in my conservative list, is the Jim Prentice. And it's because you're not really connected to the party. Um, you know, you don't have that longstanding history with an Prentice's case, the provincial party in the head's case, any uh, partisanship. And so you're kind of coming in and you're almost like slated as this knight, you know, this this knight in shining armor to save the party. Um, I do have concerns if he doesn't announce right away. And I want to get your take because you're kind of missing a bit of the runway. And with a cutoff in March, like what what are we you're starting to lose traction and and momentum. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm kind of like decide one way or the other because I think there's a lot of even caucus and and people whether we agree that endorsements matter but a lot of I think caucus members still waiting to to see if he or mm -hmm. or someone else is going to run well first I think if Nahed Nenshi enters the race and frames his offer to the membership as coming in as the savior of the party I think he will be dramatically unsuccessful because I don't think the NDP is looking for a savior I think certainly that there is a lot of openness to looking at what's gone well and what should be done differently and what the NDP should be focused on. Um, but I don't think the party, I think the party is quite proud of everything that it's built and its success in the last election. And I don't think it's looking for a savior right now. So if that's his framing, I think he will be very disappointed. On the other hand, if he comes into this race and can position himself as someone whose values have long aligned with the party and that he wants to make a difference in Alberta and that he need, wants to stop Danielle Smith, I think that he will be far more successful. But he's still got a long road like you have, you have to build a ton of capital with a whole bunch of different pieces of the membership to be able to win over that trust. And all of the other candidates in the race have spent years building that trust, have spent years building those relationships. So he's already starting at a deficit. And to come into the, late, the race a little bit late, it will be hard to catch up. That being said, he has a huge following in Calgary. He probably, like, you know, most of the city knows who he is outside of Calgary, less people would know who he is, but, you know, he's got a track record to point to and probably can drum up support and memberships and pull on people who haven't previously supported the party. So it's not to say it can't be done, um, but his campaign looks a little bit different than everybody else's. Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, for people that don't operate as people working on leaderships like uh, and, and general campaigns, five months is actually not a long time, um, no. especially if this is you're entering and building team infrastructure and getting donors and all of that type of stuff. Like it is it is a sprint, not a marathon. And again, that's where I would say he's he's got to decide in the next week or so um otherwise he's he he might be um too too late which again doesn't seem like a big thing but to get all those people in place all right i got to talk about our guy gil mcgowan and if he's going to run in my little conservative um comparisons he is brian jean and he's always kind of like lingering around kind of in the in right in there but not really and then like leadership opportunity pounces in like is 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 my boy going to run i don't know i honestly I've heard the same rumor, but I, I haven't talked to mm -hmm. Gil myself and I haven't heard as many rumblings like Nenshi, you are hearing all the time from all directions um, because I think people just like to talk about it. I have heard the rumors about Gil, but I haven't heard whether he's submitted any paperwork or not. Yeah, maybe because uh, Gil isn't on uh, 
like national news talking about it. But um, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm rooting for him uh, to put his name for I bet it. You are. Yeah, <laughs> really like a good vote split. Um, and then last, because I'm having way too much fun with this, uh, I picked Ganley, and I said she's either like one of the Dugs, like Doug Griffiths or Horner from EPC Leadership 2011, or she's going to be like the Rebecca Schultz, where you know she's got a lot of influence and credibility along the caucus, but not really maybe known as much of a public name. And, you know, she is one of those insiders, been part of it, um, but, you know, is, is you know, not known uh, by the public or seen as that super charismatic leader. So I haven't decided who she gets, but she gets Doug Griffiths, Doug Horner, or Rebecca Schultz. And like I said, I am going to track who <laughs> blocks me and which one of those uh, folks texts me about this. It should be it should be fun. What does it say about how many leadership races, whatever <laughs> so conservative party have had in Alberta, that you actually have like types, like candidate types that have entered each race that now you can drop the NDP candidates into those I didn't types. even do two of the CPC leadership races. I only used the most recent one where it was like a blowout. Um, so if if uh, Racky's mad at me for that, at least like she can appreciate that Pierre won by a landslide. So at least there's a silver lining there. But yeah, no, we have so many. That's why I'm like having a time with this NDP thing. I'm like, no skin in the game, like just watching from afar and can be uh, be critical without being like, ooh, that might backfire on me. <laughs> but Okay, so let's hear, how do, how's the UCP feel about all this? Because obviously, you know, it's, this is what the NDP is thinking about all the time now. This has taken over whatever media bandwidth there is to cover the party. How, how about on the UCP side? Obviously, they're busy with governing, but how do they feel about the race? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely some favorites, um, you know, maybe some of them were lift, like my, my boy Gil <laughs> that might, uh, you know, help the the UCP with that that middle ground. Um, and I've said that, you know, from a conservative perspective, it is Iraqi and Kathleen that would be kind of more of a threat. But to be honest, from a government perspective, they're going through budget. They, you know, caucus retreat, all of these types of things to gear up for a session that I don't think they care now, fast forward, I mean, the session's likely still going on um, at the tail end. You're going to see some of those pivots like of these leadership candidates in the House. Um, but I also think that it's going to start gearing up and like them trying to see what what the outcome is going to be and who the next leader is going to be. But you still have Rachel Notley in the House. You still have Rachel Notley as the leader. And I think that they'll just they'll just focus on the current leader of the opposition and the current current government's um, narrative. What about Nenshi? How would they feel if Nenshi entered the race? You know what? I actually like think it's a good thing. Um, and I say that because you either love him or hate him. And you've said it like outside. I don't think rural. He's going to have a huge draw. Edmonton, which is very NDP stronghold. And you have, you know, um, MLAs that are here, or MLAs that have endorsed and are working for candidates um, to sell memberships. I just, I don't think beyond Calgary. And again, it's it's um, it's a love or hate. I think with him, that I don't know if he knows how to sell memberships. Right, like that is a totally different game in your strategy. I do think that his record would be a great proof point for for the UCP should he become the leader and also great because he hasn't really had to play on a team the same way. 
that you would with a caucus and being that type of leader versus working with council. So he would definitely have the hardest time on growing and building that culture that, um, you know, there's still three years, so never say never. But I do think that there's a lot of benefit should he should he become the leader that the UCP could leverage track record, especially. And I think you're right, like that leap from municipal politics to provincial politics, I think it's often underestimated where you now you come from a position where you're sort of like in it for yourself, although, of course, there's still, you know, vote wrangling in municipal politics, where you actually come in as like the leader, the captain of a team, um, and you're meant to keep all that you know, team in line and happy all the time. It's just a, a different kind of work and a different t- kind of politics, a much more partisan politics um, than municipal politics in Alberta is. We intend to have every candidate on the show over the course of the race. And today we start with Kathleen Ganley. The UCP has the wrong priorities. It's hurting families like mine and it's bad for our province. What this province needs is less drama. It needs experienced, competent leadership focused on what matters, and that is what my team will deliver. This campaign won't be afraid to talk about big ideas and big challenges because we know we have a team capable of meeting the moment. Albertans deserve a better government, and you deserve a voice. I'm a mother, a lawyer, a bit of a nerd, and I love this place we call home. I'm running to be the leader of this incredible and growing NDP team. And I'm running to be the next premier of this province. Kathleen Ganley, former Minister of Justice and current NDP leadership candidate, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in here first because as a conservative, we don't we have a lot of leadership races. So it's really nice to have uh, someone else having a leadership <laughs> race. Um, you were the first out of the gate. Lots of videos and hints leading up to that. So I don't think anyone was surprised when you put your name forward and congratulations on that. Um, but typically you see the first person out of the gate come with like a bold policy or a bold um, idea to kind of set that momentum and that tone. Uh, We didn't see kind of a big bull policy, which I'm sure we'll get to, uh, until kind of a week after and after other candidates had put their name into um, the hat. So maybe walk me through that strategy about what the tone you were trying to set coming out of the gate and, and why you didn't come out with a big, maybe a big bang that people were expecting. Yeah. So I think what I really want to talk about is the economy and why the economy needs to work for people. Uh, I think Sometimes, uh, as New Democrats, we shy away from speaking about the economy in our frame. And I really do think that our position on the economy, that giving more to those at the bottom and those in the middle, um, is better for the economy. I actually think that that's a much better position. So I wanted to start there, uh, talking about how the economy needs to work for people, talking about how we need to fund education, because actually that's fiscally responsible. You get $6 back for every dollar invested. Um, And I wanted to talk about the team we were building because I think it is a different approach. Modern politics is very much about the cult of the leader. um, And that's not what we're doing. Uh, We're going to come forward as a team. I think we have the experience and the confidence. And I think uh, I have the experience to lead this team. We know that it's not all because of Rachel Notley that we've been incredibly successful over the last decade, but a lot of it has been down to Rachel Notley. And there has been sort of that cult of personality and you know, there is some situations where that's just not sustainable. And I just want to dig into what you said a little bit, because when people watch these videos, they're sort of trying to decode what every candidate is saying in their in their two minute uh, intro intro speech. So maybe talk a little bit about what you're trying to do differently. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think that Rachel has done incredible things for us. Um, you know, as someone who was a progressive in Calgary for pretty much my whole life, when I first put my name forward to run, there really wasn't um, a lot of hope that we were going to be successful. And that has changed. Uh, we are a real force in this problem province. This is, you know, a real thing that can go forward. So I think that that is a really big deal. Um, you know, I think it's not just here in Alberta, it's throughout um, the world, we see sort of political leaders are increasingly the focus of what the conversation is about. Um, I would like to make the conversation about ideas, about policy, about a team that is competent to lead. And I think that this is a really good moment for that, because I believe, like my take on the worst thing about our current government, which is, you know, my job to criticize them. Uh, my take on the worst thing about them is actually that they're incompetent. Um, they aren't solving the healthcare crisis. They're entirely focused on, you know, attacking trans kids and sovereignty acts that have no legal effect. So um, I think that this approach is a little bit different, but I think it's exactly what Alberta needs. So I want to jump in on something you also said, because um, during how you got involved and, and what was your shift in 2015, you've admitted that you would axe the carbon tax or that it's no longer relevant. You, Your first policy was on personal income tax cut, which I would argue mirrors um, the UCP's announcement during the election. Um, are you sure you're not still a PC or that you're not trying to like reinvigorate the Alberta party? Because a lot of the stuff I'm seeing talking about the economy, like, are you sure you're not just like a, a progressive conservative running in a, a new Democrat election? Uh, so I actually think that progressives have a position on the economy, and that is the position that I am advancing. Um, I don't think the policy that I am proposing is conservative at all. I think it gives more money to those at the bottom. It gives more money to those in the middle. And that is a left-wing ideology fundamentally. Uh, I think it also differs from Danielle Smith's policy in that I intend to implement it. And while Smith makes a lot of promises, she doesn't follow through on a lot of them. There's a lot of legislation left for her to still do that now. <laughs> Um, but touche. Uh, I actually then want to come to something that uh, one of your current colleagues, uh, Marlon Schmidt, was talking about. And he kind of addressed saying it's bad policy, what, what you're putting forward. It's it's basically a UCP policy. How are you going to, one, talk to your caucus about those types of policies, should you be the leader, and also to the huge amount of your party base that's you know, very left leaning that might feel the way I feel that it is more of a conservative policy. Yeah, so I think that Marlon is wrong. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him, but I think that he is incorrect on this issue. Um, so I think, you know, $400 is relevant. It is relevant to a lot of people, especially those people that we have now exempted or I would be exempting from provincial tax, uh, which are people making below the low income cutoff. So $26,000 a year and less. $400 is very relevant to those people. Um, I also don't think that it is a right wing policy. I think that, uh, you know, left wing economics, the left wing position on the economics is giving more to those who have less is what turns the economy. I think there's a lot of evidence to support it. And I think this is a policy that moves that forward. Kathleen, there's a lot of conversation, especially as the NDP and more broadly, the like Albertans think about what the NDP stands for now. What's a left wing policy? What's a right wing policy? Who's a Alberta party person masquerading as an NDP candidate? What is your view on where the NDP stands in in this era and compared to maybe where it was a decade ago? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in arguments. Uh, so I like to talk in terms of arguments. I think that when you know we talk about who's NDP and who's not NDP, I don't necessarily think that's the most useful conversation to have. I think at the end of the day, what unites us are values that are common throughout the province. We care about education. We think that every child should have the opportunity to succeed on their own merits. We care about healthcare. We think that every person should uh, you know, have access to healthcare, that they shouldn't have to worry about their loved ones not having access to a doctor. We believe they shouldn't have to drive 200 kilometers in labor to give birth. Um, and we care about the economy and on making sure that everyone has the chance to access that economy. Um, we think that regardless of what job you're doing, um, regardless of whether you have a university degree or not, you should be able to build a life, uh, buy a house and put food on the table and have the sort of life that affords you a little bit of luxury, maybe a vacation a year or maybe a little bit of time to think about the future and what you want to build and what you want to create. So as I told you before, I spent some time on on your website, uh, was looking at some of the the policies, um, you know, your endorsements. But I think, and you talked about some of the legislation that you brought in uh, as Minister of Justice. That is to say, I, I'm actually curious if you could look back now, what, and you can't use the carbon tax because that was, that's an easy one, but what what would you do differently? Like if you were the leader or you could go back and change, what was a policy that you like, you know, as a caucus member or as a cabinet member went along with, but really felt that that was something that, you know, maybe didn't stick with you or your constituents? Um, yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I think with respect to um, education and with respect to uh, ending child poverty, we should have been a little more bold. I think we could have uh, put a little more behind that. I think we could have done a lot more. I think, you know, we cut child poverty in half. We could have eliminated it. And in future, I think I would want to eliminate it. Um, in justice particular, I wish I had gone forward with a lot more restorative justice uh, initiatives. It's difficult because, you know, because of the price of oil, we weren't given a lot of money. So we would have had to take it from other places. But restorative justice ultimately saves a ton of money. And it's a lot better in a lot of different areas of the system. Kathleen, I wanted to ask you about energy policy, because in Alberta, we have, you know, prided ourselves on being pragmatic NDP and NDP. Um, that, you know, we are a province that's reliant on our energy royalty revenues. And so it's important that as we move forward with climate policies, that that's balanced with energy policy. And I know there's a lot of people in downtown Calgary where they're looking to, to the NDP leadership race and wondering how the next leader of the party might feel about this. How do you feel about it? Yeah, so I think... You know, when it comes to energy and the environment, it has to be a yes and conversation. So we have to consider both things. I think we can look to the states for a model that is working really well in terms of investment and diversification. Uh, and we can do a lot of that up here. Um, you know, I think we do have to work together to a certain degree. You know, the current government is really focused on screaming at the federal government. Uh, when we were in government, we did strategic polling and advertising into other provinces. We took support for pipelines in the rest of the country from 40% to 70%. And that is how we got a pipeline through. That's how you get things done. Um, and I think that that is what this government should be focused on, is how we get things done. Not the rhetoric of we hate renewables and we're gonna ban them, but real issues about how we move forward and we ensure that our industry and our, our energy industry in all its forms is sustainable into the long run. 
I'm going to push you a little bit on that on like how you're going to do it. How are you going to balance money going into obviously renewables into, uh, you know, climate plans as well as still insuring um, and, and changing the perception that maybe the energy sector has on an NDP government, which is that you're just going to shut down oil and gas. That's, I think, you know, the, the perception out there. And how are you actually going to do it? And what does that look like from um, a, a costing perspective? Yeah, so there's a lot of different pieces. Um, I think, you know, one of the first ways to look at it. So right now, one of the things that's really um, active in public discourse is this ban on renewable energy. So when we were in government, um, we proved the case to the market. Uh, and in fact, the renewable en electricity project is currently um, netting the government, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And it proved the case, which is why we had a massive investment boom. Um, now, Yes, that needs to be paired with storage. Why is storage not coming onto the grid? Well, storage isn't coming onto the grid because even though the UCP passed a bill to allow storage to participate in the grid, they haven't done the actual work of fixing the tariff. Uh, and so storage can't come on and participate. Um, you know, CCUS, for instance, is something that is a very good investment. Um, we've seen that starting to move forward at last. But like the truth is, both levels of government have taken their sweet time about this. You know, it took a really long time um, to get that offer out. And now we're seeing, you know, carbon contracts for difference. And yes, that is a federal issue. Um, it's not a general offering. It's an offering that's like specific to each company. And what that means is that it takes longer to get to final investment decision. We need to move quickly. This isn't moving quickly. So I think there are a lot of opportunities available to us. They start with, you know, not spending our time arguing about who's good and who's bad and who's right and who's wrong, but getting down to the real substance of making decisions. As New Democrats vote on who their next leader is, Obviously, top of mind is who is best positioned to help us win in the next election. Um, and so I think it's it's fair to ask every candidate, how does the NDP win in 2027? What should we continue doing and what should we do differently? Yeah, so we have done a lot of good things. We've made an enormous amount of progress. And I think a lot of that comes from talking to Albertans about our values and why they share our values. Uh, I think going forward, what we need to do more of is talking about the economy and meeting people where they live. Um, so sometimes I think as New Democrats, we have a bit of a tendency to talk down to people, to suggest that their kitchen table issues are, are maybe not big enough or not important enough. Um, I don't think that that's the right perspective. I think that at the end of the day, we build a society where everyone has the chance to participate um, by meeting people where they're, where they're at, by listening to what they have to say. And I do believe that we have a very good and a very credible perspective on the economy. Our economic plan in the last election was a phenomenal plan. Um, we maybe didn't talk quite enough to people about it. Uh, and so I think we need to do more of that. I think we need to just make that our focus. And I think that is how we win. So I do, I do want to move to more like your campaign and you, um, and in the now. So, you know, there's, there's a few candidates speculation of, of a few more. Um, but I want to ask you like, what's one thing that's going to separate you from your competitors? What's going to what's the thing you're either going to do or what you bring to the table that's separating you and why people should vote for you? 
Um, yeah, I think I have the experience to govern. I think I have the team around me to build a really incredible future and to do the hard work that's necessary to do that. Um, and I think I am willing and able to talk about the economy and to talk about it in our frame, to talk about why giving more to those at the bottom and in the middle does better for everyone and why that's better for the economy. Kathleen, I think we'll leave it there. We know you have a tight schedule and and lots of uh, appointments to keep. So thanks so much for your time and for giving us a little insight into your campaign today. Thank you very much for having me. Well, that is our show. New episodes drop every Thursday at 5 a.m. Please like and subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Discourse is hosted by Cheryl Oates and Erica Barudis. Follow on Instagram at The Discourse Pod. Subscribe to The Discourse on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.